Amen. I see Amy over there. Say it again. Nursery four and under. If you have kids in that age group and would like to send them out, Miss Amy is over there. Would love to have the kids with them. Thank you for sharing with us this morning, and it is a blessing to be able to worship with you today. I do want to begin by reading the Christmas story to you today. And it came to pass, by the way, this is in Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 20. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph, And the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. That is the Christmas story that has been read for centuries. I know that in many homes, probably in your homes today, you have already read the Christmas story. Actually, I think Alyssa read the Christmas story at our house this morning. It was read last night at our um, Christmas Eve service as well. It is a story that has great value and beauty, but it is a story that is truly about a Messiah that was coming for us. I read it from the King James. I mentioned this last night. I read it from the King James because that's the way I learned it when I was a kid. Uh, every year for Christmas, we would send a group out uh, to go to the shut-ins in our church, and we would read the Christmas story. We'd bring a fruit basket with us. And one year, the senior pastor, his name was Reverend Charles Beach, Uh, he decided that I needed to be the one to read the Christmas story. And he gave me about a day's notice to memorize Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. And I won't say that I got it perfectly, but that's how I learned it. 
And what happened was that now is what I have to read from. If I read it from the NIV, man, I will trip over it like I've never read in my life. But it is a beautiful story. God's greatest gift to people is often looked, even overlooked, at, even at Christmas time. We get so caught up in all the activities of Christmas and we're trying to get the perfect gift for our loved ones or maybe even thinking about us getting the perfect gift from others. But so often we miss the fact that the perfect gift has already been given to us. I don't know about you, but I'm really excited that today is Christmas. In fact, I am very grateful today that you would choose to worship with us this morning. There was an article that was posted on Fox News yesterday that highlighted a trend in our country among churches no longer holding church service. Actually, about a quarter of the churches in America, Protestant churches in America, are not holding worship services today. The idea for many of them is that people ought to take advantage of this time to be with their families, and I do respect that. The attendance may also be a factor, as so often the attendance is down, yet I look in this room today and we're not really all that far down. It is a blessing to have so many here that being said, I offer no judgment toward those other churches, nor those other pastors, nor those who perhaps are unable to be present today. I simply say that I am really glad that we get to meet together for worship this Christmas morning. I know that for some of us, it felt like this day has snuck up on us. It has all of a sudden appeared and we didn't know it was coming, which is crazy. For others, we started preparing for Christmas back in the summertime, or you started singing Christmas carols back in October. Regardless of which one better describes you, I imagine that most of you are glad that Christmas is finally here. I know that I am. I'm so glad to be in this room also where it's warm. When I woke up yesterday morning, it was six degrees. We were sitting here before service, and Mike Rose, I don't know where he's at right now, but he was telling me how hot it was. And it was warm in here, but man, what a contrast to where we've been. Well, I imagine that those who waited for the first Christmas, they had other things on their mind. I told y'all last Sunday that I'd be talking about Mary and Joseph today, and I will in just a bit. But first, I want you to understand that the story of Jesus's birth did not happen in a vacuum. It wasn't just about Mary and Joseph. There were many people who were involved with that story. The events that we read about in Luke chapter 2 were promised over and over again throughout the Old Testament. In fact, there are hundreds of such prophecies. Consider just a couple real quick. Last week, I gave you some of the prophecies about John the Baptist and his coming. Listen to a couple of the prophecies about Jesus and his coming. These were written about 450 years prior to Christ's arrival in the manger. Written by the prophet Isaiah, we read in Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. Later in Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7, we read, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, 
prince of peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Consider the fact that no other religious leader from any religion was preceded by such detail. No prophecies alerted the world to the coming of Muhammad for the religion of Islam. No prophecies for Joseph Smith for the Mormons or Charles Russell for the Jehovah's Witness or Siddhartha Gautama for Buddhism or any other of the world's religions. Yet the Old Testament pinpointed numerous details about the birth and the life of the Son of God and the Savior of the world. Well, it wasn't just his coming that mattered. It was what his coming would bring with it. Both the passage in Isaiah chapter 9 and the passage in Luke chapter 2 point us to his peace. In fact, in the Isaiah 9 passage, we see that he is referred to as the Prince of Peace. And then we're told that of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. In Luke 2.14, in celebration of the angels' announcements, we hear the host of angels singing, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. I want us to take a few moments this morning and focus on this verse in Luke 2.14, considering the three things that the angels sang about that night. They are the reason for his coming, and they help us to understand this perfect Christmas gift that was given to us. The first thing that the angels say is, glory to God in the highest. Within this statement, we see that everything about Jesus is intended to bring glory to our Heavenly Father. Starting with the conception of Christ, we see God receiving glory. At times, it comes from an angelic messenger, or perhaps a young virgin girl who is suddenly with child. Do you remember what Mary did when she first conceived the Christ child? I mentioned it last week. The angel had informed her that Elizabeth was also pregnant. So Mary went for a visit. I know I used some of this passage last week, but listen again to the exchange that takes place in Luke 1, verse 39 through 46. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. In that moment, we have a fetus who leaps at the voice of Mary. We have an older pregnant lady. We know she's older because earlier in this same chapter, it identified she was very old. We have an older pregnant lady who calls Mary and the child inside her blessed. 
And then we have Mary's response to it all. My soul glorifies the Lord. Everything about Christ is intended to bring glory to God in the highest. And somehow, this young lady named Mary already gets it. And here we are. Most everyone in this room is probably older than what Mary would have been at that moment in time. But so often we forget that it's all about the glory of the Lord. But to understand that, but we need to understand that having a miraculous birth is only one part of this story. Absolutely, there's something really special taking place in the birth of Christ. But imagine how disappointing this would have been if Jesus had not been as advertised. And this is what I mean by that. The story is told of King David. He is a great king, very much loved by the people. Yet he wasn't always the father that he should have been. A part of the problem was David's own sinfulness. He was a sinful man, while there were also issues that his children would bring upon themselves. He had one child named Amnon who would sexually assault his own sister named Tamar. And he had another son, Absalom, who would turn and kill his brother, later trying to overthrow David and take the throne. Can you imagine the disappointment that David felt as he looked upon his own broken children. They started out with such promise, yet they became an embarrassment to the family name. Now I want you to imagine Jesus growing up just like everybody else and living as an adult just like everyone else. In a way, he did that. He went through all of the things the other people would experience, except there was one exception. Jesus was without sin. He would live a perfect, sinless life, and along the way, he would touch so many people. He would bring healing and comfort and hope, restoration, freedom, and joy. And then when all was said and done, he would become the sacrifice for our sins, conquering both sin and death. There was no disappointment in Jesus. He was as advertised as we expected him to be. He lived up to the family name. And everything he did, he brought honor and glory to God. There are two applications with this point. The first is this. This was more than an his, a historical event. Jesus would not disappoint, and therefore a celebration of his life and even his birth makes perfect sense. So let today's celebration, whether it be here or in your home or with family somewhere else, let today's celebration bring honor and glory to God. He was as advertised. But a second application is a little more personal. I know that you're not perfect. Neither am I. None of us are. However, I wonder, does your life bring honor and glory to God too. The choices that you make each day, do they bring honor and glory to God? The attitudes that you display, the words that come out of your mouth, the relationships that you keep, if your life isn't bringing glory to God, what needs to change? Maybe you need to begin by surrendering your life to him 
Or maybe you need to be reminded of decisions that have previously been made. The second thing that we see mentioned there in Luke 2.14 is peace to mankind. We've already talked about the fact that Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. And we see him bringing peace in many different ways. But truthfully, this is one that confuses me a little bit. There are a couple of reasons for this confusion. The first is simple. Jesus came 2,000 years ago. If he was going to bring such peace, shouldn't it have happened by now? I mean, every time I turn on the news, I hear of people who are experiencing everything but peace. You have politicians constantly at odds with one another. You have terroristic acts that take place. You have family members who are cruel and abusive to one another. I watched last night on the news, actually it was early this morning, where he talked about a police officer who had been shot and killed in Florida making a house call. Even in church, we have to have announcements about who can carry weapons inside the church. If that's what we mean by peace, I'm not sure if many people in here want that kind of peace. Even the birth of Christ was not a time of peace. You know, we so often celebrate the Christmas holidays by traveling to be with family. I mentioned this last night. Have you ever thought about the fact that Joseph and Mary also traveled at Christmas? They traveled back to be with family. If you look at the story, it says there was a taxing that was taking place. And Joseph had to go back to his own hometown to register. It means he was going back to where family would have been, where he grew up. What a headache that must have been to make things worse. She's pregnant. Who wants to travel with a pregnant woman at Christmas time? I doubt that it was six degrees, but the point is it was probably unpleasant. So they're traveling at the time of Jesus' birth. Then they get there only to discover that nobody has room for them to stay, not even family. So again, I don't sense a lot of peace as they settle down in that stable. Where is the peace? Then we read Jesus' own words in Matthew 10, 34, where he says, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Really? I thought he was the prince of peace. How do we reconcile these images? How do we address the lack of peace in our world? To answer those questions, let me first say that, this, that his peace is real and it is worth receiving. In fact, a great reason why there is so little peace in our world today is that we are seeking peace in so many other places, yet not seeking it in Christ. Author Michelle Myers writes, God is our only guarantee of lasting peace, contentment, and security. No other counterfeit solution will do rather than looking to others for their approval, let's fix our eyes on Jesus and seek his approval alone. Associated with this is the fact that many, if not most, are more interested in selfish gain rather than peace. We live for the moment. We live for the thrill of our next high or in search of our own personal satisfaction. But as we do so, 
we're never truly satisfied. Sure, it feels good for the time, but eventually the high wears off. We realize that our lives are still incomplete, and the unfortunate reality is that there's no true peace without Jesus Christ. The story is told of Oscar Wilde. Some of you probably have at least heard that name before. He was a hedonistic man who was known for poetry and scholarship. He found himself on his deathbed at the age of 44. As he lay there talking with his male lover, Robbie Ross, he posed this question. Did you love any one of those little boys for their own sake? Robbie's response was, no, I can't say I did. Oscar Wilde's response was to call for a minister. Apparently, he realized that in the midst of every action and choice he made, there was a selfish component, but Christ acted for the sake of others. He would go on to say that only Christ was big enough to forgive him for what he had done. Point is that most sin is about self gratification. His lover's actions were all about satisfying his own desires, yet Christ came to give of himself for our sakes. Consider the sins that have been a part of your life. Did you know that the whole reason Christ came was to offer forgiveness to you? This ties in with Matthew 10, 34. Jesus declares that he didn't come to bring peace but a sword. That's because everything Jesus stood for was and is counter to the culture. In order to experience his peace, we will need to be set apart. We can't just go along with the flow of our world. When we see injustice, we'll need to stand up against it. When we see an easy way out, we will need to stand up and fight and take the hard way. When you see someone crying out for help, we'll be the ones to step up to the plate, to feed them, to clothe them, to visit them, and to simply love them. We will be the hands and feet of Jesus, and in doing so, we will bring peace. You see, here's the deal. If everyone would seek Christ in this life, there would be incredible peace. We'd still have different opinions on things. There's no doubt there would be different ideas, but there would be peace. But I have two warnings for you this morning. First, your token pursuit of Christ is not enough to find him. There are many who have called themselves Christians. They've said some magic prayer. They've been faithful in attending church, and the rest of the world would call them Christians. Yet if they were to look deeply into their hearts, they would have to admit that they are not truly seeking Christ. I am not the judge of those individuals, but let me tell you that your token pursuit of Christ is not enough. The peace that seems lacking in their lives is because they're still trying to walk a fine line between pursuing Christ and still hanging on to the world. The result is even more brokenness and frustration. But God wants us to wholeheartedly seek him. Secondly, not everyone will even seek Christ at all. 
We are told that a day will come where every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But until that day comes, we will simply have to deal with the brokenness of our world. Surely heaven will be a place of perfect peace, as nothing impure will ever enter into it. But that's not Central South Carolina or Clemson, South Carolina. So here's my application regarding this issue of peace. It's actually more about you evaluating your own level of peace. Do you know God's peace this Christmas? If not, what is it that you're feeling this morning? Is it fear regarding what's next? Is it anxiety over something that you want for yourself? He has come to bring you peace a peace that is beyond even our own understanding. Why not take hold of it today? The final item that the angels sing about is goodwill toward men. I will say that goodwill toward men is a natural byproduct of the inner peace that Christ alone can bring. When you no longer live for yourselves, it becomes more natural to think about how to help your brothers and sisters who are in need. Because it's not about me getting what I want. It's about helping other people. Jesus was one who always thought of the needs of others. And at times, he even rubbed people the wrong way simply because he associated with the unlovely people of his day. But he came to bring goodwill to man, to all men. You know, Jesus told a lot of stories One that stands out most is known as the story of the Good Samaritan. It's a story about a man who was beaten and robbed. And as he lay on the side of the road in need of assistance, a series of people passed by this man, each of them distracted by their busy lives, not wanting to be bothered by this disruption to their agenda. But then, a man who has nothing to gain from this encounter stops to help this beaten man. And at the end of the story, the man who showed compassion by helping a man in need is commended by Christ. I wonder, would Christ commend you today? Can you see the needs of those in your world? Are you too busy to intervene? What about the neighbor who is without work this season? What about the family that was plagued with medical bills this year? What about the husband or wife who is spending Christmas this year without their loved one because of death or maybe even worse because of betrayal? What about the daughter and the son who grieved the loss of their parent this Christmas? Consider today how you can bring goodwill to those and need around you this Christmas day. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you today, Lord, we celebrate you. We celebrate who you are. This Christmas season, it's not about tradition. It's not even about family coming to town or family being with us today. This day, this holiday is all about you. Lord, I pray that you would be honored not just on Christmas Day,
but every day by the way we live our lives. Father, I thank you for each one who is here. I thank you that you love them, that you care for them, that you desire a relationship with them. And my prayer is that every single person in this room today, every person who is watching online already has that active, vibrant relationship with you. But if there be one, Lord, I pray that right now, if there be one that does not know you, Lord, I pray that you would speak to their hearts, that you would draw them unto you, that you would cause them to hunger and thirst after you. Maybe there's one here that it's not an issue of them not knowing you, but they have half-heartedly pursued you. And right now, I pray that you would cause us to have such a hunger for you that we would not be satisfied with anything else. Father, I pray that our lives, that we would bring glory to God in the highest. That as others looked at us, they would know that we are children of God because of the way we love each other, because of the way we serve you faithfully. Father, I pray that we would be a people of peace. Some of us today, we are hurting. We are worried about our future. We live in a world that is falling apart. There's so many things that seem crazy and out of our control, and it causes us great fear. Lord, I pray that today we would find peace in you and simply knowing that you are all that we need. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a people who truly bring goodwill to those around us. May the world look at us and see us as the hands and feet of Jesus. And we'll give you praise for what you do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want you to know today that this, first of all, the fact that you are here means a lot to me as a pastor. I love to be able to worship, but I love to be able to spend the holidays with people like you. And I thank you for being here as a part of our worship service today. I believe today that uh, the Lord has been honored by what we have said here, but I hope that that will be the case after we leave here as well. So as we close, they're going to say, they're just, just, just going to play, I think. So um, what I'm going to tell you is as they do, go in the blessing of God and celebrate what God has done for you. Thank mm-hmm. you.